Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. Rasslin' Memories is available online for you to stream outside the FM area. Yes, that's at RadioNorthland.org. You can check out live right now, Rasslin' Memories. Also on TuneIn, that app for your smartphone. But if you happen to uh, not be around when we're airing this live and in the moment, you can go back to the archives at RadioNorthland.org. And we have a SoundCloud page that that will link you to. And you can listen to... over six years of wrestling memories. Boy, it's going to get into lucky seven here coming up at the end of June. I'm Glenn Brogett, your host, alongside my friend who's down there in the great state of Texas. And this is kind of where the theme of the show is going to go today. we got a big event we're going to talk about. But the man who is out there in 80-degree weather, he's sitting out in his little mobile studio. He is the grizzled veteran himself, Mr. Mike McCurdy. Mike, my friend, welcome. And are you uh, feeling a little toasty? Have you got yourself a fan what you got down there man you know man i'm enjoying the texas weather here you know i'm enjoying the 80 degrees but you know what? it's nice i'm enjoying it and i'm really looking forward to uh today's conversation as well so you know what man i you have definitely booked yourself a a, a great guest for the program and he is no stranger to wrestling memories in fact this is his third appearance on the per- very program but the very first with you on board with the uh, hosting duties uh, alongside yours truly uh, and it's going to be a big event uh, and, and mike this is one that uh will you you'll be able to kind of to attend this event this is in your backyard we're talking about pro wrestling hall of fame action tell me you know that's a big thing you're going to be there I will be there. Um, unfortunately, I can only be there the first day, but I will be there on uh, Friday the uh, 18th. So I will be going to the wrestling show that night, be checking out the Hall of Fame. And I'm sure there'll be a few people around to get a chance to meet and shake hands with. So I'm looking forward to it. It's my, actually, it's in my backyard, but this is going to be my first trip to the Hall of Fame next week. So, oh, yeah. And I've been out here almost two years. So kind of kicking myself for taking so long to get out there. But I'm looking forward to it. Well, maybe once you're in person at the Hall of Fame, our guest can maybe give you a, a volunteer to give you a little little kick in the butt for missing it. Uh, we're talking about a, a veteran of the Ring Wars. He has wrestled all over, including the great state of Texas, California, internationally and beyond. And he has been one of the, the major guys uh, to uh, help kind of make the transition for the uh, the Hall of Fame for its move to Wichita Falls, Texas. And this guy is working overtime and then some. They should clone you, man, because... Because all of the responsibilities you have down there for this big weekend coming up in the month of May, to tell us about the festivities, the induction festivities, the one and only Mr. Cowboy John Mantell. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time out. Like I said, you are a busy, busy, busy man. Well, thanks, Glenn, Mike, for having me today. It's uh, always exciting to get to talk not only wrestling but the Hall of Fame, and and uh, yeah, there is a lot of things going on and a lot of things to do, but. Uh, Anytime, and the, everybody knows me, anytime somebody wants to stop and talk wrestling, I'm sure more than happy to oblige because I've been, uh, of course, my brother Kenny started when I was in the youth, and then I started as an amateur when I was not, just right before I turned 10. So I, I always say 10, but I was really nine when I started. And and uh, so wrestling's been in my blood for many years as I'm 60 now. And, and uh, so if somebody wants to talk wrestling, whether it's on the mat or in the squared circle, I'm I'm all for it. So I'm excited about being here and excited about talking about next weekend. And for Michael, I will give him a kick in the butt when I see him, because I've been telling him you're here now, you need to come up and see what we're doing. And, and uh, I know he had to get his family settled and get everything settled in. So I'm sure excited. He's coming up to see me this weekend. And Mike, I'm going to let you uh, talk about it uh, because, and, and, and lead with the questions here. And I'll, I'll come in, in from time to time, but Mike, you're the man, you're the man who's got a kick in the butt coming, but I bet you have a few more questions before you get that, that, that butt kicking. I'm not looking forward to that butt kicking. Cause, uh, you know, I grew up watching Johnny on uh, world class and all that. And I, I know those boots are going to hurt. So, but you know, we're, we're going to have a little interview right now. We're going to talk a little bit. <laughs> um, John, for our listeners, what I'd like to start with is, is can you tell us a little bit just about kind of the history behind the professional wrestling hall of fame? Cause really, and you've said this many times before, it's the only brick and mortar hall of fame out there. Yeah. You know, I, I get in trouble lots of times when I say that, cause a lot of people don't like to hear me say that, but it is the truth. We are the only brick and mortar hall of fame and museum in the world that covers the entire world of professional wrestling. And, and I'm very uh, humbled and honored all at the same time to be a part of it. Um, I, I would be uh, just completely wrong if I, 
and you guys wanting to know about the history of it, if I didn't tell you that Tony Villano, the, the original president of this hall and really the founder of the hall, him and his crew in upstate New York did a fabulous job of giving birth to this hall of fame, getting it started. They started this movement in 1999. Our first induction was in 2002. And this year will be our 17th induction. So it's been a process the entire time. And there's been ups and downs. And and just like with any business, you have those ups and downs. But the move to Texas was really brought brought by because of the town of Amsterdam, New York, was really known for the Cabbage Patch Doll and the Westinghouse Corporation. And both of those had left town up there. So the last five years of this museum and hall was in New York. We literally did everything induction weekend in Johnstown, New York, and the museum was in Amsterdam. So lots of times people wouldn't even get a break or an opportunity to go see the museum while they were in town. And the board up there just really felt like it needed to move someplace where it could be seen by everybody from around the world and it would be more accessible. And I don't have to tell you guys, and I know, Glenn, you guys up in the north had a tough winter this year. But like in the winter months in upstate New York, there would be weeks at a time that the hall couldn't open because of snow. Oh, absolutely. And uh, coming here to Texas, the one thing we really did was we wanted to make sure people knew we were open. We're open Tuesday through Sunday, 10 to 5 every day except for Sunday. Sunday we're open 1 to 5. And we've had 42 countries now through the front door since we moved here to Texas. Of course, all 50 states. And we're really proud of what we're doing for the downtown of Wichita Falls. It was uh, a deserted island when we moved into the iconic big blue building in downtown Wichita Falls. And and with the grace of God and some luck, uh, there's two new breweries, there's new restaurants, there's new business. And uh, um, I feel, and I know a lot of people here around town feel that the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame got it started. And, and in all rights, it, it deserves that honor because professional wrestling back in the for golden years or really before the golden years in the in the in the work camps and in the oil field camps and those back in the early 1900s these kind of locations became the locations that the barnstormers wrestled in and these camps and these locations where there's large numbers of men and families around that's what they tried to hit so the history we have found since we've moved this hall to Wichita Falls is really just unbelievable. Uh, the gentleman that built the original sportatorium in Dallas built a building here in Wichita Falls and promoted wrestling in what they called the sportatorium here in Wichita Falls back in the 30s uh, sometime. So, I mean, the history here is so rich that we just really feel like the hall has moved home. And, and with the four territories during the territories days here in the state of Texas and the and the influence they had on professional wrestling for years to come. And I, of course, I'm talking about the Funks in Amarillo, the Von Erics in Dallas, Paul Bosch in Houston and Blanchard in San Antonio. They had a huge impact in wrestling for years after their promotion shut down. And um, that's what really makes us feel like this has moved home. And we're really proud to, to uh, bring it to the fans each and every day. And, and for me, again, it's a humbling and honoring experience. Uh, experience to be able to visit with the fans when they come through the door every day and talk about the yesteryear or the, even today, you know, they talk about wrestling today and, and, uh, um, and even with the large independent scene, now we've created an independent area in our hall to, to let the, some of these young kids that are out there trying to make it, let their picture be seen on the wall. So fans from around the world will say, Oh man, I remember seeing that guy in the Hall of Fame back before he became somebody. And that's what it's about. It's Americana. It's about good versus evil. And we try to present that in here every day in the Hall of Fame. Now, you mentioned we're going on to this is the 17th induction uh, next weekend. Who is being honored this year for the Hall of Fame? Well, another great class this year, Mike. It's. Uh, um, uh, you know, the one thing the committee that sets the ballot every year is instructed. They're instructed to have fun and to create the best ballot possible. Uh, we don't uh, require any, if they're alive or deceased, we don't require if they're going to come or not. That's up to them after they're being inducted because 
that committee sets the ballot and then that ballot's mailed out to all living hall of famers. And, uh, we have a, a historian pool where we pick about 20 names out of that pool every year and they get ballots as well. And when those ballots are counted, that's who's being inducted here. So for this year, our, our pioneer division, the civil war to 1946 is Ruffy Silverstein and uh, Fred Beal. Two very worthy candidates. Uh, Ruffy, not only an amateur champion and made the Olympic team, but he boycotted the Olympic team the year that it was in Germany with the Nazi Germanies, uh, Germans. So he did not go and compete, but one of the class guys. And of course, Fred Beal was a retired from professional wrestling in 1919 and became a police officer and later was killed in the line of duty. And now uh, his state every year honors all the fallen officers through the years on the date he was shot. So two very worthy candidates and very excited about uh, them being inducted into the Hall of Fame. The television era, 1947 to 1984, another pair of well-deserved, probably long overdue inductees. And that, of course, is Ernie the Cat Lad and Eddie Graham for their work within the business of wrestling and, and their talents. Uh, uh, Eddie was such a supporter of wrestling, not only professional wrestling, but amateur wrestling in the state of Florida. And uh, very excited about uh, him going in this year. And we're, we're looking forward. I understand possibly that his granddaughter is coming to accept his honor. And so we're really looking forward to seeing her in person and getting to see her grandfather inducted into the Hall of Fame. Our modern day era is Jim Duggan and Sting, and two names that don't need much of a story told about them. Um, unfortunately, this year is Jim Duggan's 30th wedding anniversary. I shouldn't say unfortunately, I'm proud of him, 30 years of marriage in this business. Um, but because it's his 30th year, his wife had already bought them a 30-day trip to travel the world before he was contacted about his induction. and. Uh, uh, so he will not be here this year. And today is actually Sting's last day to tell me if he's coming or not, because it takes me about six days to get the ring made for him. So uh, uh, I, I can't tell you he's coming or not. I have not gotten a no from him, but I also don't have a yes from him either. And this is his last day to give us that contact. Um, two people that are coming this year to the induction are uh, uh, Tony Rose, the woman inductee. We're very excited to have her come in. Uh, and be here with her, her uh, great career in the ring. And if you've ever watched women wrestling and you have not seen a match that Tony Rose was in, you ought to watch how this woman could wrestle. She could really was one of those wrestlers during that era of uh, sort of the transition era between um, uh, women wrestlers and then the diva kind of thing. You know what I mean? Sort of that transition, and she really fit that mold very well. And the one I'm excited about, our international inductee this year, Pampero Furpo. 88 years old, will be here uh, for the uh, autograph line and trade show on Saturday. And then, of course, the induction Saturday night. Um, I had the privilege of teaming with him and wrestling Mountain LA in 1980. And so looking forward to seeing him coming in. Him, his son, and his daughter will be here with him all day Saturday at all our events. So we're really excited about that. John. Our uh, first ever. John, yes. I, I want to, let's collaborate a little bit more about your time with, with Pam Perro. Talk about some of the people that you worked with alongside him uh, in those days. I mean, this seems like a very interesting that you were able to, to be able to work with, with a guy from, you know, an era previous, but boy, what a, what a personality, but what, what do you, can you remember from experience with uh, tagging up or working in ring with, with Pam Perro? Well, I really remember all the tag matches because we would wrestle in tag matches against Blue Demon and Chavo Guerrero or um, uh, Carlos, Colosso Colosetti and one of the Guerrero brothers or uh, Sin Caris uh, would come in and tag. And they'd put Pampero and I out there to wrestle them. And it was always, I always found it sort of interesting because Pampero, I don't mean this rude or tacky, but he was Bruiser Brody probably before Bruiser Brody. He just wasn't in that package because Pampero was about a 5'9 or 5'10 size guy with his big barrel chest and wild hair and hair all over him. And he worked like a wild man. I mean, that's what he did in the ring. And and as when I was in L.A. that year under a mask as the hood, I was a wrestling technician. I uh, 
Uh, I mean, one of my sayings was the OO and hood stood for ounce for ounce, the best wrestler in the world. And, and, uh, so that's what I did was wrestle. And so when they teamed us together, it was like chaos and, and bedlam and wild stuff happening. And then the hood would hit the ring and it'd go back to wrestling in the hold and we'd calm it down for a little bit. So it was an interesting pairing. Uh, I had, I had great, I have great memories of wrestling and tagging with him such a nice guy i was a 23 year old punk kid and and he would take time and talk to me and visit with me and um just really honored that uh he's still with us and well enough to come back and get this award and i just can't tell you i've not seen him since 1981 in person oh, so I'm, I, I'm just so excited to get to see him again well, that's so 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 long ago. But again, that's another thing where you were also able to kind of watch how he could feel out a crowd and how he could work a crowd too, because you have such a wild character like that, like not unlike a Bruiser Brosy that can go in there and just grab a crowd and have them in the palm of their hands, but with with their their antics and and Pampero definitely fell into that category. Oh, absolutely. He was he was so talented and and. um and so believable, even, you know, I was, I stood a couple inches taller than he, he was. And, and I was, you know, two thirty at that time. And, and, uh, um, <clears throat> but he could, he could just control the crowd and control the feeling. And it was always, again, it was sort of an interesting pairing. Um, I started there with Chavo Guerrero as the booker. And as I, as I finished up my year there, uh, uh, Tom Ernesto was the booker and, and I'm not really sure what they're, thinking was putting us together all the time like that but i really enjoyed it and i thought it was sort of a yin and a yang i guess you know with the two of us uh doing what we do and and uh um just always had a fantastic time with him he was so so good to us so good to me and and well you know if i did something wrong in the ring he'd sure grab me in the back and tell me and say you know you should have gone here here instead of doing that and and so for me, it was just one, another one of those mentors in my journey in this business to um, learn that style. Because I, I tell kids all the time that, you know, I broke in in 1976 and what was taught and what was trained to guys in 1976 is 10 to 20% less than what was taught to guys in 1986. And then you go to 96 and it's another 10 or 20% less because when I broke in, they taught you about everything about you being safe and your opponent being safe and about promoting yourself, how to mail pictures out to bookers and promoters and how to do all those things that today's, uh, I guess the internet power's taken over. Now everything's trying to do over the internet. And I think, uh, uh, again, professional wrestling and the wheel of professional wrestling is not broken. You can still draw butts every 18 inches with a storyline that's believable. And that's what I hear every day in this Hall of Fame is people come in every day in here and say to me, God, I, I don't go to wrestling much anymore. I wish it'd go back to like it was when it was real. I don't like this stuff of today with it being fake. I hear it every day. And I just think that those mentors, the Peter Mayavias and the Butcher Vachons and the Pampero Furpos and the Pedro Morales and Victor Rivera's that I had the utmost respect for and, and was humbled by their their teachings that they gave me back in 1976 are, are just, uh, those lessons can't be learned anymore. And, and so I'm very proud that I had that time and that experience with them. And, and again, I cannot wait. I'm going to pick him up myself Friday at the airport and, uh, uh, get him here to Wichita falls and make sure he's comfortable, well, and healthy. Mm. And and you also uh, there's many many other honorees uh, we're gonna you have you talk about as well including uh, Hiro Matsuda and uh, Joe Aguchi they're gonna be receiving separate honors uh, could you talk about that that and let's just keep we'll keep going absolutely. And, yeah yeah absolutely Joe Aguchi is our first year referee inductee it's a, a the inaugural class we just added that to our ballot um, and very uh, very excited about Joe Aguchi going in. Uh, one of the great referees in the business. Um, he worked his entire career or most just about his entire career with all Japan pro wrestling. And of course he traveled with all the Americans. He was our, our interpreter and sort of our guy that traveled on our bus. But, uh, um, 
he was just one of the great referees. I mean, Jiminy Christmas, he refereed world heavyweight matches with the Funks and Briscoes and Flares and, and all of them, you know, and, and, uh, I have a great picture of Joe coming to Japan or coming to the United States before he passed. Um, he came and went to New York and saw this hall of fame while it was in New York. So that's one of the pictures we're using this weekend to tell everybody about Joe Aguchi. And we're really excited and uh, honored for his family, his sons, uh, in the movie business in Japan. And there was talk of him coming, but if he comes, I don't believe he's here. Uh, I don't know that he's coming for sure, but there was, there was talk of him coming and honoring his father. Hiro Matsuda, um, not only a legend in the ring and a main eventer all over the United States, every place he wrestled, but the trainer of champions. I mean, you know, let's just, let's just say Hulk Hogan, Paul Orndorff, my brother, Ken Mantell and Brian Blair. Let me just stop on those four, you know? Those are guys that, that Hiro Matsuda trained in Florida. And uh, uh, I had the privilege of meeting Hiro in 1960, either eight or nine. Um, I went to Florida to spend two weeks with my brother Kenny and his family there while he was there training. So I got to meet Hiro Matsuda at that time. And when I got the call this year and tell his widow that he was being inducted into the Hall of Fame, she was just overtaken with joy to know that somebody is recognizing her husband and the work that he did within the business. And, and we're expecting one of his daughters to be here to collect his award and, and uh, very excited about that. Very well-deserved. Um, again, you know, one of those guys that sort of fell between the cracks with our previous ballots uh, set up because he really didn't qualify in the international division because he wrestled most of his career in the United States. So it was sort of in between. So that category that hero Matsuda is going in the colleague division, we opened that up a little bit this year by creating the referees division. And we also created an executive division for bookers, promoters, uh, historians. Um, It's a five, it's a sort of a five job category. And now that opens up that colleague division where it's managers, valets, and what we call territory guys that maybe weren't a world champion, but worked all the territories. And on, and you guys will know this as well as anybody. Sometimes the main event would go to the ring and do four or five or six minutes. The real guys that carried those cards and those shows were the guys in the semis and the matches before that, that would wrestle 20, 30 and 40 minutes. That's real the, where, where, where the real weight of the card was being carried each and every night. And those guys deserve an opportunity to be honored as well. They were just as important to the business as anybody else was in, in that day. Because without, without those opening matches, the main event couldn't take place. And so we're really proud of the fact that Hiro Matsuda going in this year in the, in the, as a territory guy. Uh, is really opening that door for future guys. And I, and I mean, you know, guys like uh, uh, Bob Roop, who's going to be here this weekend for the induction, or a Les Thatcher, or a gorgeous Gary Young, you know, that worked with so many guys through the years that went on and became famous in the WWE. Gary had their first matches with him, taught them how to tie their boots. And those guys were an integral part of this business back in the day. I understand they're not that important today to most people, but to the real part of this business, it's a very important part of it. Mm-hmm. And since I said that, our first year executive branch inductee is, of course, a man from the great Northwest, and that's Red Bastine. And I couldn't be happier for Red going in not only in the executive branch, but him and Billy Redlines going in as a tag team. I, I cannot be happier. Very well deserved. Um, uh, should have been on the wall much sooner because Red Bastine was a very influential person. And there's a guy too that not only trained people but got people started. He was one of my mentors when I started. He started Sting and Ultimate Warrior. He trained and was the best man at Steve Pardee's wedding. And I mean, just one of those great guys in the business. And and very honored that uh, um, he's going in and not only going in once but going in twice. And he makes one of only three people that are in this hall of fame in two different plaques. 
And to mention also uh, Billy Red Lions, I mean, for my generation, I mean, I came up and cut my teeth in the 1980s watching WWF expansion, uh, a time that, you know, Billy Red Lions was uh, long since retired, and I saw him more as a television announcer. But a lot of people who are in the know have shared knowledge with me about what a talent that Billy Red Lions is. But it's kind of nice to know that he's being acknowledged for something that that, that he did before, you know, because a lot of people, this like they think of him as just the TV announcer, but he was definitely one of the more gifted, talented wrestlers in the 1970s, and his team with Red was definitely an indicative of that. Oh, he was he was a star with Red Bastine, and then if you look back far enough in the Mid-South territory, him and Tom Jones was a hot tag team down here in Mid-South for Bill Watson and Leroy McGurk. So, very talented, and I know uh, Billy Red Lion's youngest son is coming to collect his honors, and we couldn't be prouder to uh, have him in Wichita Falls and come see the museum. And to continue with the, with Red Bastine, I mean, his relationship not only with the, you know, the things you know, like the Cauliflower Alley Club has been well-known, well-established, but in the great state of Texas, you guys, before his passing, Red had a very strong involvement and presence down there with, with professional wrestling, and it is definitely kind of a proper honor that he receives his due down in, in that state where he spent so much time and had so so many memories of, of training and, and watching the younger guys develop. Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't know this, and it's not, we don't advertise it to the public, but Red started 25 years ago in Dallas, what he called the Red Bastine Texas Shootout. And it was a gathering of the boys, the men and women of the business. And what his, what Red's opinion was is that we all needed a day where we could all be together and laugh and carry on and tell our stories and cut up and we wouldn't be at somebody's funeral. And so he started this day 25 years ago and it, and it carries on today. When Red started getting ill, he passed the Red Bastine Texas shootout over to Kay and I, and, and uh, we've done it, I think for the last, seven or eight years. And, uh, we actually last year moved the red Bastine Texas shootout here to Wichita falls on Sunday after the induction. And last year we had over 300 wrestlers at it. And it was a great honor, not only for red and Carol and everybody involved in the red Bastine Texas shootout, but it was a great honor to see the likes of Tatsumi Fujinami and Larry Henning and George Napolitano and all those there at the Texas shootout and shaking hands and taking pictures and, and, uh, telling their stories to the rest of the boys, the men and women of the business. And, and so we're looking forward to it again this year. Um, and I really believe with red going in twice this year on Sunday will be a much bigger crowd than that. And, uh, frogman LeBlanc comes out of new Orleans and he was a wrestler in the early nineties here in Dallas for oh, UWF. Yeah. And he comes up and cooks and, puts on quite a feast on Sunday and, and it's a, it's a free day for the boys to come and have fun. And, and again, it's a day we can all be together. We're not at somebody's funeral, but seems like I'm at all the time now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring Mike uh, McCurdy back in. Mike, uh, we're going to add you back to the conversation. You uh, have uh, plenty more questions for our guest today, Mr. Johnny Mantell, the cowboy Johnny Mantell. Well, I'd like to um, talk with Johnny about something he mentioned now that, we're going to start, there's going to be a branch of the Hall of Fame that's going to be able to recognize some of the workers that, you know, they weren't the WWF, they weren't the main stage, but these are the guys that were kind of the backbone of uh, professional wrestling. And one of the names he mentioned, I'd like Johnny to talk about him for a few minutes, is uh, gorgeous Gary Young. I've had a chance to sit down with Gary on a couple different occasions and talk with him, not just about wrestling, but football and whatever other sport imaginable. And Gary is one of those guys that is truly the backbone of uh, this sport. I mean, he's obviously a huge name here in uh, Texas, teaming with Cactus Jack, obviously, with uh, the Devastation Incorporated back when, you know, Foley was just getting started. Um, Johnny, can you talk a little bit about Gary? Because I don't think a lot of our listeners and maybe people who would go to all of them are going to know a lot about Gary Young because, like you said, he was one of the – he was a territory guy. <clears throat> Well, I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to compare the two, but I'm just going to say, I'll say to Glenn, if I said, uh, uh, oh man. And then my Brenton being dropped on my head so many times, Kenny J up in Minnesota, that would be uh, right, there's a name right in that area. There's John, a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a guy that was on every card, worked with everybody from 
the opening match to the main event, um, um, was one of those guys that put in 15, 20, 30 minutes every night on a wrestling card and the promoter could rely on him going out and getting the job done, whatever that was that night. And that's what, that's what really that territory, uh, division that we've sort of added to that colleague thing really stands for. It's, it's those kind of guys. And, and, um, I, you know, Gary's one of those guys, one of dear friend of mine, a a fantastic, uh, human being. He, when he retired from wrestling, he, he got a management job in in a corporate restaurant and he still does that today. And they send him all over the the country to do cook-offs and stuff. And, um, you know, can just turn a room around. If a room's sad, he'll make it happy in a hurry. And that's, I think that's really, that really shows that talent that he had in the ring. You know, he, you could, whether he had to go out and the people hated him or loved him, it didn't matter from night to night. He could go out and get that job done. And, and there's just so many of those guys with us, you know, I mean, a Johnny Rods from New York or a Davey O'Hannon or, a, you know, uh, one of the greatest tag teams I think of all time. And they really don't get the due that they deserve, but uh, Gordman and Goliath, you know, they were a tag team that, that out in Los Angeles and up and down the West coast, they worked against everybody and did it all and were so believable and so real that, and they've made, they've been on the ballot and they just have not been elected into the hall of fame yet, but they're one of those, one of those groups that will, will be, will benefit from that colleague division in those territory days, because it's going to honor those kind of people that maybe, you know, for, for a lot of, and I, I got to be careful how I say this, but a lot of, people look at the hall of fame and think that a world champion should be up there. And I believe a world champion deservingly deserves to be up on that wall. But sometimes there was pieces of that puzzle that made somebody a world champion that should be honored for their ability to do that. And I think Gary's one of those guys, again, there's a whole list of them. And I, and I just hope that we've adjusted, we keep, you know, we're, we're always, we're always thinking from a, an outs, an outsider or from the, from looking in the window, we're always trying to think what we can do to make it better, how we can make it better, how we can make sure. And like this year, uh, the committee that sets the ballot is a three man, it's a three person rotation. So like this year coming up is our dear friend, George Shires last year on the, on the committee, this will be his third year on the committee after this year. He'll leave, so he'll come to come to Wichita Falls in September. They'll work all summer after the banquet on their five names in each category, and then that three-person committee will come here to Wichita Falls, set in the office that I'm sitting in right now, talking to you gentlemen, uh, what we call the booking office in the Hall of Fame, and they will sit across from a desk, and they will cuss and discuss why their five names in the category should be on instead of your five names and why his five names should be on because of instead of your five names. And then they got to hone those 15 names down to five for the final ballot. And I think the fact that them coming together, being in Wichita Falls for a three-day retreat creates the best ballot possible. I just, I, I will not waver from that. I know in the past we did it through the internet and emails and you just don't have the passion. I know George has told me the last two years, I know you can't record what we're doing in there, but we really ought to because some of our discussions are so deep and so interesting about guys. And that's where the the three people on that committee, they come in here and when they leave, they say, I learned so much this weekend because we would talk about somebody and if we didn't know enough about them, we'd research and we'd call and they'll call. I mean, they'll literally call other historians while they're here that weekend and get input on different names to create that best ballot possible. So, um, we're excited about that this year. The, 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 the screening committee of course is, is, um, um, George Shires in his last year. So this will be his last year. Gary Young is in his second year and we'll name the third person at the induction this year. And, uh, Right now, I'm sort of leaning to give that third spot to a woman wrestler, and we're going to get a different perspective on that committee. So, uh, again, you know, being innovative and being um, trying to do all we can to make it the best we can, and and I think that has to encompass everybody involved. And 
And just like with the, with the voting committee, which is all living hall of famers. And then that historian group, I'm always trying to add names to that historian group. I just got a new gentleman from Germany that seems to be quite the historian of German, Germany wrestling back in the day. And so he'll be a voter this year. And then of course, uh, Pampero Furpo, Tony Rose, Sting and Duggan will all get a vote next year. So we're again, very excited about the future and what we're doing in this class. I just, I, I just couldn't be better. You know, I, I think it's a great class and, Unfortunately, there's only four living this year and all the rest are deceased, but we turn no stone unturned to try to make sure that every deceased family member knows about it, knows about the induction, what we're doing. And, and that's, I think that's just really honoring the people, you know, I mean, honoring the, the veterans and the people in this business. And, uh, um, and I, and I don't want to, point net point fingers or say any names, but we are the only organization that if you're deceased and you're being inducted, you find that you know about it before it's on TV. I think I'm going to have to up my boy, historian that, boy, name. Boy, that, boy, I'd like to be included. In boy, that, that, boy, that drew, that drew a silence when I said that right there. So I, <laughs> I won't even elaborate anymore, but that drew a silence from you too. When I said that comment. So, um, but I, I, but I do mean that, you know, I really and truly do mean that if, if, if we get every deceased inductee, if we get a family member from here, from them this year, it'll just be thrilling. Last year we had four deceased inductees and every family that was deceased, we had family members here to accept their honors. And I just can't tell you how important that is to me personally and to the hall of fame to make sure that the deceased inductees get all the same recognition and honor as the living ones because they deserve it. Um, one thing I'd like to bring up real quick, um, just here in this last day or two, we just recently lost someone and that was uh, a lot of fans listening might know him as a uh, big bully Busick. Um, did you have any ever work with him at all, John? I did not. I did not. I've heard of him, but I never met him and didn't know him. I sure didn't. And it was very sad. He just, yeah, about, about two days ago, I believe it was cancer um, that he passed from. And it's always sad to lose, uh, you know, someone from the business because that's just a piece of that history that's just, you know, if you don't have your historians that you're recognizing now, that that's just something that's going to get forgotten later down the road, which is why I think what you're doing with the Hall of Fame now and what a lot of historians, you know, Scott Teal, Silverstone, you know, I could name so many people are doing it's an important part to keep the history alive and i think the hall of fame is definitely an integral part of that now other than just the we're talking the induction ceremony and all that for the fans listening that are gonna that might go to the hall of fame next weekend and for the this weekend for the induction ceremony and all that what can they expect when they go to the hall of fame because i know there's all i've seen pictures there's a lot of exhibits in there but we just so what are some of the key things that some of our uh, listeners can see when they go to the hall of fame well we're in seven thousand square feet and we're really negotiating right now for another seven thousand square feet uh, as right now what you'll see next week michael out is about 50 percent of the collection and it's wall to wall floor to floor cabinet to cabinet front and back sideways um it's in every space we can fill right now uh memorabilia posters programs um, the other day, um, Red Bastine's longtime woman, she just passed away here. Carol just passed away here a few weeks ago, and and uh, her daughter sent us a quilt that they had made for Red uh, out of his T-shirts, and they're, they're some classic T-shirts from back in the day. And they're even, once the quilt was made, he took it and had it signed and like, this quilt has Dory Funk Sr.'s signature on it, Larry Henning's signature on it, Mad Dog and Butcher Vachon's signatures on it. That quilt now hangs here at the Hall of Fame. Um, <clears throat> we got um, <clears throat> an original jacket from Greg the Val Hammer Valentine in from Greg Massey out of Louisiana and his huge collection. Um, um, we have Killer Kowalski's outfits, the original Kangaroo's outfits. Um, it just it's really mind boggling. And, and for people that come to Wichita Falls to see the museum, the one thing I hear on a regular basis is, 
well, I've got to come back because there's no way I saw it all today. And, um, and actually, Teddy Gorienko, who his uncle George Gorienko is in this Hall of Fame, he's been here for about three weeks with me, and he's really been working on one of our major projects here at the Hall of Fame. When J. Michael Kenyon passed away this past year, all his life's research came to this Hall of Fame. And he makes the fourth historian that has died and all their life's, all their life's research and work has come to this Hall of Fame. So in our research lab that we're calling it now, we have, well, right now we still have over a hundred boxes of research material that's been donated to the hall that we do not have downloaded and digitized yet. But what our goal is, is to eventually create a history channel on or connected to the pwhf.org website that we have for the hall. And that history channel will contain all this history in it. So like right now, as we speak, we estimate that we have close to 1.5 million match nights recorded on a, or downloaded onto a system where if you, one of you punched into this system, let's just say Ruffy Silverstein, one of our inductees this year, every card that's recorded into this system that has his name on it, name on it will pop up. Oh, and these cards have been researched by J. Michael Kenyon and Scott Teal and some of these historians around the country. And right now, Teddy's in, in the 1950s, and we're at 1.5 million matches that we have recorded. And what it is, is the town the matches happen in, the date that it happened, the list of matches with winners and losers, sometimes little notes about, well, this guy won two out of three, or this guy got disqualified because of this or whatever. Sometimes some of that verbiage with it, and then sometimes the attendance for the night. And they're literally, uh, it's just mind boggling to go through those pages and to see the names of who was wrestling on those cards. And then you could imagine in your mind <clears throat> how they got from Portland, Oregon, to San Francisco, to Utah, to Wyoming, to the North Dakota, to Minnesota, down to Iowa, over to Nebraska, back over to Missouri on this barnstorming and trips around the country. It's just, it's just fascinating to see that and to have that history. Um, <clears throat> we have the documentation, all the legal documentation from when Vince changed from WWE or WWF to WWE. Uh, we have all the documentation when there was a lawsuit filed against Geigel and the NWA for tampering with the world champions. Uh, something or another with the world champion. I mean, this history, this history lab, and again, I call it a lab because it's a work under progress. Um, it's just so deep and it's so rich. And boy, when we get that done, um, I really feel like that will become the the forefront of this museum and the collection that we have is all that history that we've preserved and kept. And again, that's what makes this different than anybody else's place around the country is they don't have that kind of stuff. They don't have that kind of history and they're not preserving the history in that way. Again, I don't want to pick on any, pick on anybody, but, um, um, the hall of fames that are out there, they're either, either regional or personal. They're not recognizing the entire world. Tatsumi Fujinami that came in last year for a week, spent a week here with me. And of course, that was probably very personal because in all my trips to Japan, Fujinami and I probably wrestled 250 matches plus throughout the years. And, and to spend that much time in the ring with him and then to get him to come to my, to my, back, my backyard, my state, and, and uh, come and spend a week. And him and his wife and Kay and I, we went out to dinner and we ate, we laughed and he got a tour of the hat factory and we got him up on horseback. And I mean, that's, that's really what it's about. And he cannot wait to come back. Uh, his wife has started a, a company in Japan where they're selling uh, food products and stuff. And uh, we're really looking forward. We're, it sounds like that him and his wife and his son are coming next May and his son will wrestle on the card next May here in Wichita Falls. So 
again, those are the exciting parts of this hall is, is seeing the people come back and see it and, and honor it. George Napolitano, his, his induction last year, every two months I get an envelope from him with more pictures of some of the newer guys of today because we want to show that to the fans as they come through the hall. These independent guys, we want to show it. If they're not on TV, we want to put their picture up so the fans can see that there is an independent guy out there wrestling as Harry Smith that's not maybe the Smith that's in Canada. It's a guy down here. You know, We want people to understand that that's the way of the business today, that the independent scene is growing in such a way that the board of directors are actually discussing right now, eventually, I can't tell you a time frame, but eventually creating an independent category on the ballot. And how we'll do that, Glenn and Michael, I'm not really sure. We've, we've had so many discussions about it. We'll have to have regional people involved in that because to create a ballot of five men or women that are in the independent scene right now from around the country is going to be pretty tough because of course, Michael McCurdy now being here in Texas, he knows who Tim Storm is and he knows who some of the guys here that are on that independent scene that really never worked on cable TV. You know, some of those, some of those top stars are, but what about in Florida, uh, Tokyo monster Kahangas that's well known all over the world as an independent or an Andrew Anderson or a, uh, you know, and those are just guys that I've met personally. I know there's, there's a, uh, and I'm losing his name right now, but there's a kid out in the West Coast that's been wrestling 40 years. Been wrestling 40 years. Never made it to anybody's TV. Never made it to any cable TV. I saw him in a show in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And let me tell you, he's one of the cleanest bumping guys I've ever seen in this business. Those are the kind of people that eventually this hall is going to have to recognize because, you know, you can only induct WWE guys so long and, and they're going to run out of people too, just like they are. They're running out of people to put into their hall of fame because, well, let's just, I mean, you know, they have to put in a Snoop Dogg or a, somebody like that every year. They're running out of people and we have to expand with the business. And today, whether anybody wants to agree or like it or not, the independent scene in the wrestling world today, even though some of them are, you know, we'd have to call backyard promotions. It's still an independent wrestling show and they're selling tickets to it. And we have to figure out how to honor those people because we're getting close to having guys wrestling 30, 40 years on the independent scene that you will not, you will not know off TV. How are we going to do that? That's a constant discussion we have at every board meeting. But it's any also, ideas, but any it, more ideas on how we can get that done. But it's also got to be kind of exciting, though, because you're able to keep evolving because, you know, we have the history that's behind us, but we've got this future stuff coming up and coming our way that's going to be our history in the next 10 to 20 years. So it is kind of nice to get a leg up and go beyond just what uh, we are being offered with the WWE or maybe a Ring of Honor or something else like that is these guys that have uh, have been working in their various part of the country where they may have nested and may have made a home, but still like to wrestle or some guys that uh just like you said you talk about a guy been there in the business for 40 years but didn't get that didn't get that attention there's so much out there and it's almost inspiring could be a potential way to get more historians younger guys in through the next few 10 20 years i mean so it's a constantly evolving sort of thing but yeah it's always nice to make sure that there's pictures out there and there's headshots and there's things like that of these wrestlers to give them their own identity outside of their 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 own bubble absolutely i mean again it's it's professional wrestling today. And, and, you know, somebody comes in and asks me about professional wrestling today. I don't lot, I don't watch a lot of the product on TV. I mean, I don't tune in and watch it religiously. I just, uh, um, um, I just, it's not, it's not something that I'm gravitated to. It, it's, it's so different than what I did. Uh, uh, I'm always glad to see somebody on there from my past or somebody that I know. And, um, so I, I like to see it that way, but I'm just not, uh, uh, I'm an old school guy. I'm a headlock and an arm drag. I'm a, I'm a headlock takeover kind of guy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a wrestling uh, dude and, and that's what, um, I think the hall of fame just has to stay concentrated and focus on is that we can't get lost with all the glitz and glamor. We have to realize that professional wrestling is exactly what it says, professional wrestling. And, 
whether it's in a, an arena of 20,000 or in a building of, of 500 or like the wrestling under the stars three that'll happen here on Friday, May 18th. Uh, we're expecting 1500 to 2000 people. And, uh, um, you know, if we just have a thousand, we're still going to be very happy, but, uh, the popularity that it has here in Wichita Falls and a long, uh, a long list of, of stars that come through here, the fans like that style of wrestling. And that's what they come out and see. And this year, we're doing it in the covered parking lot of Big Blue. And so many of the fans here locally are calling it, oh, man, it's going to be like Fight Club. It's going to be like being in a warehouse. It's going to be, you know, they're saying that around town. And, and uh, we're excited that that's part of the weekend for the Hall of Fame induction. It's run by Wichita Falls Wrestling Association, which is a, a three-member group up here in Wichita Falls. It's actually the band director from Burke Burnett High School and two business guys. and they run that company and, and they run that company, not only to promote professional wrestling, but they're going to be a driving force and bringing amateur wrestling to the high schools in this area, which do not have it as of yet you cross the red river and you go to Oklahoma. Every little podunk team has every little podunk town has a wrestling team here in Texas, the Metroplex, Dallas, Fort Worth, Amarillo, Lubbock, El Paso, Houston, all those big towns have wrestling, but a lot of the little towns still don't have amateur wrestling, even though in 1999, the UIL picked it up as a statewide sport. It's still not recognized in all schools. And this Wichita Falls Wrestling Association won't just promote professional wrestling. They're going to start getting involved in promoting amateur matches during the wrestling season. So I'm really proud of this group and what they're doing and how they're standing up for the word wrestling. I'm going to bring Mike back in as uh, time is uh, starting to get away from us, Mike, uh, for a, a couple of questions uh, to bring back into the conversation about this uh, big event uh, coming up here in the Wichita Falls area, May 17th through the 19th. I think the only question really that needs to be asked now, um, and this is to kind of help more of the listeners, is where can the listeners find information about Hall of Fame where can they go to buy their tickets for the induction ceremony? Cause I'm hoping after listening to our show today that people are going to want to go and check out the hall. Now go to the induction, get a chance to see some of these people. Where can they go to find the information needed? Uh, the website's pwhf.org. Just the initials for pro wrestling hall of fame. Um, that website's updated. It's got an updated list of, of wrestlers. that's going to be here for the induction week. Uh, from Marie Laverne to Steve Nelson to Bob Roop to uh, Sakurada is coming in from Japan. Um, the list just grows daily. Uh, uh, Sonny Ono's coming in for the weekend. Um, it, it just it, it's it's exciting to know that people are caught coming and seeing this, and and it's exciting for me to know that the wrestling family, the wrestlers and their families and their siblings and their relatives are coming and honoring this nonprofit that is the professional wrestling hall of fame. And, and we're, we're just excited to have them in town. And like I tell everybody the the thing I try to do the best I can is when you come to town and you come to Wichita falls and you come to the big blue building and you make it into the hall of fame, you're going to be treated with Texas hospitality. And that's, welcome and howdy and how can we help you and and uh um if you haven't been shame on you for not being here because it's unbelievable to come into this room and see what's in here and and to see the original yellow rose of texas jacket from david von eric to um seeing the 2020 jacket that uh, abc news gave eddie mansfield and his writing his own personal handwriting on the outside of his jacket telling people why he did that interview that day so he could try to get a union and benefits for the wrestlers back in that day is so important to come in here and read and to learn and to know the fact that you can come in here and learn about not only Chavo Guerrero or Chavo Jr., but learn about their father, Gory Guerrero, to come in here and, and to learn about the Ganyas and their lifestyles in, in Minnesota. And I have one of Vern's uh, scrapbooks that came from his family and it's literally family pictures in the scrapbook. I go every day and turn a page so that the fans coming through today 
see a different page than the fans saw yesterday. Um, the two Doink the Clown outfits that we have, one from Matt Bourne and one from the second Doink the Clown, Ray Apollo, the difference in those two styles and how they did it. Um, it's just, a, it's just a, a trip down memory lane and it's a trip down educational lane because I see, I see kids come in here and all they want to talk about is John Cena and Randy Orton and their, and their parents or their grandparents want to talk about Fritz and the Funks and Wahoo McDaniel and Bill Watts and all those guys. And it's really cool when you see them leave and the two of them are talking about the other names when they leave the hall of fame. It, it's really cool to see that education as people come in here. And now even to the point that we're starting to get a big file of letters and I have an old antique um, uh, post office and uh, I don't know that we're going to get it up here before induction weekend, but our goal is to hang letters all over that, that old antique post office cage of these letters from wrestlers to wrestlers or from a wrestler to promoter. Like the other day, I got a letter in where my brother Kenny, who was booking the Dallas territory at the time, wrote Chris Adams a letter while he was in prison, while he was in jail there in, in Cedarville, just south of Dallas. For a little incident he had with his wife one night on the highway, um, a letter my brother Kenny wrote to him, giving him giving him words of encouragement and telling him you know how things will be when he gets out and what he'll have to do to get back on track and just those kind of pieces of the history of this business that nobody else has is what we want to get out for all the fans to see. Those are the important parts. Those are the pieces that are missing from all other Hall of Fames is that part of history. And we want to make sure it's it's talked about and seen every day. And from what I'm looking at is those who are expected to uh, pay a visit uh, to Wichita Falls that weekend. You can practice, it, it looks like an, an old school sportatorium card when you're seeing guys like Iceman King Parsons <laughs> to appear, uh, Rugged Ron Price even. Uh, yeah, I mean, Hollywood, John Tatum, uh, along with Gary Young. And, of course, you got you know Alex Parteau, who's in with the Global Era. And you got the ladies like Susan Green and Beverly Shade. This, this is one heck of a show. All we need is the uh, the spirit of the sportatorium to rise up, and we could have a heck of a heck of a match uh, card here well well as you walk in the front door you walk right by the original entrance sign to the sportatorium so it feels like part of it's here man that does all the time and and uh, uh yeah it's it's a fun weekend i tell fans all the time whether it's thursday friday or saturday if you're downtown wichita falls you're really cheating yourself if you're not making a stop in here because those names will be here all weekend long and they're more than happy uh, to do whatever they need to do because they're here to honor the business, but they're also here to honor the Hall of Fame and the city of Wichita Falls for supporting the Hall of Fame and the Big Blue Group for giving us this space. And, and they come to town to support everything that's being done. And, and again, it's so much fun to, to walk into the Hall of Fame and, oh, yeah, right there's gorgeous Gary Young. Oh, yeah, right there's his jacket he used to wear to the ring, and he'll tell you a story about it. or. You know, we have a great portrait that was done by a local artist of Scandor Akbar, that Ak's sister that still lives here in Wichita Falls today comes through, oh, every two or three months and comes in and says hi to her brother. You know, it's just, it's those kind of pieces that continue to make this what it is. And, and uh, um, it's just, it's exciting, man. It's exciting to get up every morning. It's exciting to be here. It's exciting to talk to the fans that come through. And I cannot tell you how excited we are for the future of this Hall of Fame to move in the next 20 or 30 years. Well, it looks like it's time for us to uh, say farewell. It's been a fun, educating, entertaining. It's always just good to have you on, Cowboy. Uh, Johnny Mantell, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of, of the schedule of working this busy, busy uh, time of year for you with the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum down there in Wichita Falls, the real brick-and-mortar Hall of Fame and Museum for the business of professional wrestling with their, their Hall of Fame induction, annual induction weekend, May 17th, 18th, 19th in Wichita Falls. Texas. Thank you so much, John. It's always a pleasure for, uh, you know, taking a little bit of that time out of that schedule. Man, you, you're working real hard, my friend. Well, anytime, you guys. I'm here for you. That's what I'm here for. And, and uh, 
again, anytime I get to sit down and talk about wrestling, I'm more than happy to talk about any part of it you want to talk about. Oh, that that's awesome, man. We gotta have you back on soon. And Mike, grizzled veteran Mike McCurdy, thank you so much for taking time out of uh, your schedule too and working out of your mobile studio for today. Oh, no problem, man. I always enjoy coming on to the show and getting to co host with you. I get to do it more often now. I always love talking with John. And John, I'm looking forward to being out there next Friday to uh, check out the Hall of Fame. Hopefully you'll be able to take a few minutes out of your busy schedule to uh, show me around a little bit. Absolutely, Mike. When you get in town, you just look for the guy with the hat on, buddy, and that'll be me, and we'll uh, we'll do our thing. Uh, um, I'm actually working so hard this week so I can have him a little more free time next week to really enjoy it with you all as you come to town. So uh, just safe travels in your, in your journey up here, my friend, and Glenn, anytime I can help you, my friend, I'm a phone call away. You guys be safe in your journeys, and God bless you, and God bless the Professional Hall of Fame for everything they're doing for the sport of professional wrestling. For John Mantell and Mike McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. This has been Wrestling Memories. Take care, guys.